Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today we have Jen on from U Studio, and we're going to be learning all about U Studio, use case, business case, etc., for why people work with U Studio. And so, without any further ado, Jen, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and also U Studio? Yeah, thanks for having me. Sure, uh, excited to be here. Um, my name is Jen Gregono. Um, as you said, I'm the CEO of U Studio. We have a platform that allows enterprises, corporate businesses to have their own podcast and media streaming network. So I, I love this on many levels in, in so far as A, I, I love audio content and also just think that uh, this is a great way to train and to teach people and bring some of that institutional knowledge, uh, especially in, in the environment we are in now, but even pre-COVID, uh, it was just, a, it's a great way for people to kind of share what they know. So um, let's, let's, let's jump into that. Like what you could have done anything with you studio. Why did you, or how did you see the need uh, on the corporate side? Yeah, well, increasingly our customers that were companies, um, usually multinational companies, Manulife, Nike, uh, companies like Keller Williams that have big worldwide uh, offices and employees were asking us to provide an audio streaming application that looked and felt more like a Netflix. And and we never created the content, right? We always enabled a platform for companies to, to create their own. Uh, videos primarily some audio clips but primarily videos and and then we allowed them to take that content and publish it in embedded media players video players on their websites or their private intranets and while that was good business it didn't really create an environment or an experience for the end employee or the workforce or the partner or customer whoever the audience was they were serving to to get in and explore and uh you know, determine what content they wanted to consume and, and to play it back again in an environment and an experience that felt natural to their everyday lives. And it really wasn't until, gosh, kind of mid uh, 2015 or so where the serial podcast had come out and podcasting, which had been around forever, was sort of enjoying a, a renaissance period. And our customers started um, pushing us on not just, you know, we want to do more audio, but can you create something that helps us just out of the box, organize our content into shows and episodes? And we thought, huh, you know, shows and episodes for a corporation sounds a little bit odd. But when you think about content, uh, training content, corporate communications content, it naturally falls into a topic and then individual episodes. So you might have town hall meetings from the CEO and that might be a show. And every month the CEO may do, uh, you know, maybe a video podcast, might be an audio podcast, but some recording that gives employees an update on what's happening in the company. And we're also all familiar with sexual harassment videos. And these days 
um, increasingly more diversity uh, oriented minded videos and audios that audio content that companies are asking their workforce to consume. And so you have not just the, um, the cultural content, but also some of the content required from a governance perspective and compliance perspective. And then just your general training, right? It, we use um, the, again, that Netflix setup to really enable um, companies to organize their training content as well. And it, it falls quite nicely into that, um, that format. So yeah, go ahead. So, um, so the folks have, you know, historically had kind of an LMS that has handled, you know, learning management software that's handled kind of learning content. It started really in compliance 180 years ago. Um, and, and kind of LMSs in general have failed because they've been, uh, they, they basically don't have the content and don't have a way to put content in them. And so they've uh, not been used as much outside of compliance. They've not been used kind of to their fullest potential. So with your studio, it sounds like you've, you've created kind of a, a place where they can create their own content, which is great. Uh, and they can share their own content. Um, can they place it? Like where do, where do they, where does it for, for the user, where do they get the content? Is it in another kind of LMS or is it in, is it somewhere else on, you know, that that's that they have access to as employees or is it, is it through your studio? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm going to take it in two parts. So the first one is, you know, why has the traditional LMS not been massively adopted? And uh, it's funny, I was at a meeting up at Amazon in Seattle and the gentleman we were speaking with has the unenviable job of training, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, truckers and delivery agents uh, worldwide, right? Once a year, as you can imagine, that spike goes way up with holidays, et cetera. And he said, this is the first learning system that I have seen that doesn't impose a tax on the end user. Right. I said, well, huh, tell me more. Why, why do you think that? And he said, because there's nothing about it that is any different from Spotify or, or Netflix or any other media streaming app that everyone uses on a daily basis. There's no training required. There's no, you know, I have to find my course and LMSs were traditionally set up to be a lot more pedagogical right. and academic. And of course they were largely text-based, right? To start. Um, many of them have moved into streaming, but even those that have added video and audio aspects have just created that, you know, as an add-on, right? It's, it's still secondary to a lot of reading that you have to do. The second part of your question, which is where do people go you know, where does a, a Nike employee in Europe go to consume um, corporate content? Well, they use a Studio app that is exactly like a Spotify or Netflix style uh, setup. And so they download it from the app store and they log in with their you know, email or uh, you know, employee number if it's a massive company that has lots of hourly employees. Um, but, you know, they authenticate themselves, right? They log in with an account just as you would with any media streaming app. And then once they're into that account, all of their company's content, especially that content that's been uh, made accessible by them, right? They've, uh, that content is set up uh, with rules and functions so that not everybody gets everything. 
So based on who I am as an individual, I'm being presented a series of boxes with artwork that tell me that that's a show or a series. And if I click on it, it shows me all the episodes. There are also playlists that you can create. So you might not have time to consume something now, but you know you want to listen to it later. Um, you can create a playlist. Uh, you can um, browse categories. So the entire experience feels exactly like a consumer experience, but the content itself is, of course, corporate content. And right. I think that's that's one of the you know the major advantages of. Uh, taking, you know, a, a consumer habit that's entrenched and moving it into the enterprise. You just don't have that tax imposed on the end user. Right. Well, it's, uh, there's a couple of things that I want to appeal. Um, one is, is, you know, the, the content itself, uh, they can create, obviously, they can create their own content. Can they also subscribe to other services that are content creators? And bring that content in and yeah, then give that so, access to uh, to their employees? Yeah, a number of um, companies have chosen to take some outside you know, publicly right. available content and make it available to their employees. Uh, you can do that by creating a playlist and, right. and pulling in you know, episodes of different uh, public shows. There's also a move afoot to create community sourced content from a company. Right. So a large company like Novo Nordisk has um, federated content management where they've allowed groups and teams to create their own podcasts. And then the, the podcasts themselves are access control to only you know, certain audiences. So one of the nice things about companies is they're already organized across groups and uh, you know, teams. And so taking advantage of what's, what the IDP, right, the identity provider backend mm -hmm. system has, uh, we can, uh, you know, allow companies to use what's effectively a DL list, a distribution list, and access control content. So that allows for, I think, more democracy, right? I, I don't think we're going to see companies allow anybody in the company to create a podcast and share it with anybody. I mean, I think that becomes more like what we saw with Jive and, and some of the internal social media uh, right. practices and companies that just never really took off, right? Just created a lot of many-to-many -many conversations and noise. This is really designed so that companies can communicate effectively with their workforces, management can communicate with teams. And of course, if teams want to create their own content, you have access controls and, you know, and different governing practices built in. Right. So, so one of the things I explored uh, a little while back was people developing people's skills, you know, there's, uh, and learning in, in, in this way that, that basically says, okay, here's your job. Here's what you do for the company. Here's all the things that are available to you to develop your skills uh, and, and to help you learn to do your job better. You know, great, fantastic. Um, but, but one of the things I, in, in kind of researching that, I also discovered that you know, people, that's great. And people will, some people will use that. And some people, you know, are into wine tasting and, uh, you know, and coin collecting and all kinds of things that are outside of work, Right. but it pulls them into the, you know, the learning environment. Yeah. And, you know, I talked to a lot of, you know, learning uh, leaders and about this, like, okay, so, you know, why, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you let them have access to things yeah. that are not necessarily about their job? Right. And so I'll ask you kind of a similar type of type of question, because, 
you know, what do you, what do you see with your customers when it, you know, if, if you're just giving people straight up corporate content, I, th- I can see that being cool up until the point where it's not cool. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think there's this connection between, you know, your, your life and your work and right. finding ways to have more fluidity there is an interesting trend. And I think increasingly with what everyone's calling the great resignation, companies have to pay even closer attention to it. Uh, companies like Panera, which is a customer of ours, that do wonderful things in the community through their foundation have started um, podcasts that just talk about that, right? So there's nothing more to it other than they'll go interview various organizations that they've donated money to, or if they have teams, you know, that may volunteer to help a certain organization, they'll include that as part of a podcast. I think there are a number of ways that, um, that philanthropic, you know, initiatives and movements inside of companies are naturally being pulled into podcast content. There was also another company that had, um, you know, they'd been mentioned on 60 Minutes uh, as part of a not very flattering story. And there were people at the company that were starting to feel embarrassed about working there. This is a massive company, one of the largest in the world. And, uh, and they said, you know, one of the things we want to do is humanize the employees. So their podcast idea was to actually go interview employees with interesting um, hobbies and skills. Oh, cool. And, and start to humanize not just um, the leaders of the company, although that was an important part of it, right? Let's go seek out leaders who, hey, did you know, you know, so-and-so is an avid horseback rider and actually, you know, was on the Olympian equestrian team uh, in you know, 1975 or what have you. But the, the, you know, just the the guy who might work in the mailroom who you didn't know um, had a very specific um, collection to your point of stamps, right? Right. And just seeking out, uh, you know, stories, the stories behind the people who work at companies. So I think that's one way I've seen companies get into it. I think helping uh, the workforce further their skills and other areas is a really interesting topic. And one that I think is, um, it bears a lot of discussion because if that becomes a strategic uh, imperative is maybe too strong a word, but a, a strategic initiative among learning leaders at any given corporation. I think the idea that you could pull Coursera or LinkedIn Learning or you know, name your online yeah. learning vehicle podcasts, right? There are several podcasts on many different topics. Um, the idea though that you could pull those into a corporate learning application is a really compelling um, notion um, because what it effectively says is, not only are we providing you know, libraries of content for training in corporate communications, okay, some is cultural and, and more uh, philanthropic, but also we're going to allow you and maybe even finance the licensing of content right. for your hobby, um, cooking or, you know, again, it's the masterclass concept, right? Yeah, that looks like engagement to me. The, yeah. we, we've lost a little uh, of that because of COVID uh, and remote work and isolation and all these other reasons. But it, at one point, we've got to get back to like engaging uh, employees. And, and again, learning is a great way to do it because uh, candidates and employees want to learn. So yeah. there's a, a great desire to get better at, at what whatever you're doing. So, so that part is great. I, 
Uh, and I love it. I love this idea. Again, providing them medium where they are in an application that they're very comfortable with, uh, in an environment that they're extremely comfortable with, um, with things that that are like pre-COVID, we talked about work-life balance. Now we talk about work-life integration. So yeah. learning, yeah, I love it you know, seems to kind of should follow, uh, one would think, the follow, uh, follow that trend. Um, okay, a couple of things. So optimal workflow, which is, you know, kind of a over-engineered way of saying, what are your customers or how should your customers like think about Ustodio um, when they're thinking about like onboarding new employees and kind of where do they put them on their path? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, we've got uh, a great customer, Outset Medical, uses our platform uh, primarily for onboarding employees. Oh, so cool. when an employee comes in, they've got a, a playlist of content available and ready that they continuously improve and enhance and add more content to. So a series of shows and episodes, if you will, that uh, give the employee a way of getting to know the organization and and through voice, right? It's much nicer right. than a bunch of PowerPoints or a stack yeah. of that they have to go read. Um, yeah. If you could go look at this uh, slide share. Exactly. I mean, yeah. somehow just Ooh. along the way over the last few decades, we just forgot that the voice imparts so much more meaning oh, yeah. than the written word. And, um, and just, you know, people don't want to sift and read through, you know, volumes of content. They would much rather listen if they have the option. So, um, so that's a big area of focus. And Jen, and, one of the things to think yeah. about when with your customers is um, I've seen a, a lot of things being moved into pre-boarding. So a lot of compliance stuff. So the employee handbook and all this other stuff, instead of starting that, you know, day one, once the person has signed the offer letter, it's moving some of that stuff between when they start the offer letter and when they start. Yeah. So yet another no, way to, to use audio content to then kind of get them excited well, about even, their new journey. Yeah, I was about to say, and that's sort of post the offer letter signature. We have yep. a customer in Boston, a very large consulting organization that's 25,000 employees globally. They are actually toying with the idea of creating a candidate app. And, oh, cool. Uh, and starting to, you know, provide uh, compelling content to recruits people they're oh, trying to recruit out of that. harvard or mit or you know oh yeah no um, i wherever. love that and so yeah i think it's a neat idea and, well, and one we haven't heard because in consulting it's uh, it's the invisible you know, yeah. you know if it's bcg or bain or mckinsey or any of those folks they're, they're selling the invisible they're doing That's the right. invisible they don't often get credit for the work because it's done behind closed doors mm-hmm. and right. so just talking about projects just taking you know, candidates into, you know, without naming names, yeah. here are the types of projects that we work on, mm-hmm. you know, again, without naming names, I think would be just wonderful for candidates to have an understanding of like, I'm excited about that. Yeah. A day in the life of a yeah. change management consultant, yeah. BCG, right? What does that, that look like? Be, and here are some examples. That would um, be really compelling. I think it's a really neat idea. The question, of course, was, well, do they just do it and put it on the public app store? Do they want it to be you know, specific to the candidate? And, um, and if they want the stats, obviously, candidate A has consumed 30 minutes of uh, content. Right. 
they obviously need to do it in a more authenticated way. So we're working with them to determine what the security levels need to be right. on that and, and the access control. But suffice to say, I think it's a brilliant idea. And I, again, I haven't seen a lot of other companies have not uh, present tense yet. Well, that's, just, that's, just, that's just smart recruiting uh, to show people in behind the veil. There's so many different jobs and companies. You just don't know what, what happens behind the veil. Well, and right. you start thinking about my 21-year-old son who's going, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. If he could sit and listen to a bunch Try. of, you know, day in the life uh, audio podcasts from various companies, it was a fascinating yeah, uh, something something might pop out and go, wait a minute, I'd never really thought about industrial yeah. psychology, you know. Well, yeah, hmm. right, exactly. <laughs> or I really, you know, that person was really interesting to me. I can see myself doing that or yep. I like the, you know, that, you know, I could see, see that being something that I might enjoy doing on a day-to-day basis or what have you. But yeah, I think this whole idea of, you know, attracting candidates to use your term pre-boarding once they've accepted a position at your company, how do you start getting them familiar with it? Uh, and then the third, of course, is I'm here now day one uh, as a new member of your workforce. How do you make sure I'm aligned and, and I know what I'm doing? Right. So how, I mean, obviously you got great clients and I love everything that you're doing. How do you, you know, when you're talking to somebody for the first time and maybe they don't get it, maybe they haven't <laughs> consumed a lot of podcasts or audio content in general. Um, maybe oh, they don't just walk away. <laughs> you're not gonna push the boulder up the hill um, yeah. totally understand well, you don't have spotify that's this is Sisyphean a, work there this is, is yeah it's, it's a knockout <laughs> question do you do you have spotify okay I mean, well, yeah, yeah we exactly. can't talk <laughs> yeah, but i will tell you this it is the hardest part of of the job is dispositioning the buyer right where yeah. are they on the curve and sometimes we just ask you know on a scale of one to ten with uh you know ten being the most mature podcast organization to to one like where are you guys and i remember having a conversation with the team at disney and they said oh we're definitely a two and i went okay well you're probably not ready for us and and the reason we say that is if you don't have an idea for how you might want to invest in content you don't have to have content on day one a lot of companies dell came in and said we have nothing but we really want to do this we're committed we want to invest in it you have to at least have an organizational um, understanding of how you're going to create a show, produce episodes on a regular basis and publish the episodes. Um, you probably need to have somebody that's looking at stats on a monthly or quarterly basis. And so, you know, which is just giving you the feedback loop and are you doing well? Are you growing? Are people returning? You know, what percent are returning users versus new users? There's all sorts of, of insights you can glean from the, from the analytics and the stats, but I think the broader question that you're asking, it is a really good one. How the heck do we, do we do it? We use customer webinars a lot. So I know we have a new one coming up with Novo Nordisk, I think in a couple of weeks. And, and we ask the, you know, a, a handful of our best customers to talk about how they got started. And so if a company is just thinking about it, we usually work with them to put a business case together and we provide stats and materials and examples and we call that kind of a discovery part of our sales process and during that uh, it's a lot of us providing what they need to build that consensus internally and uh, and and sell it in right this is definitely a consensus driven decision right and you know the as a software ceo i use many times um 
that's a bit challenging, right? We'd all love to be able to sell the product that one person in a room by themselves um, can make a decision on and spend all sorts of money on it, right? That would that sounds lovely, but it just it just doesn't work that way when you have a product that offers this much value to this many people, right? This this program touches in some cases the entire workforce, in other cases it might be you know the sales enablement team at HP as an example. Um, which is very different than every single employee. So, but even so, you know, you're talking about thousands of people versus uh, 10 people, right? So it is consensus driven. And we have gotten very good at not just dispositioning, you know, where are you on the curve, the maturity curve, um, but also, okay, if you're here, these are the types of things that you need internally. So not surprisingly, we have our own podcast. It's called Podcast on Podcasting. We have a show called Tips and Tuts. We have a show called Customer Conversations, which is listening to our customers talk about how they got started. So we record every webinar. So that education process, we do as much as we can to make it efficient for us, but also efficient for the buyer. And then we really do kind of leave them alone, right? If they can't get that consensus um, right. you know, decision built or made uh, in a 30 to 45 day timeframe, we typically say, don't worry, sit with it. You know, we'll send you links to new episodes and you'll get um, blog articles and all sorts of things. And when you're ready, come back to us. And, you know, it's amazing. We have probably 25 to 30% of our customers in any given quarter have come from old, you know, conversations that started and stopped, right? We, you know, when most sales organizations manage their win-loss rate, well, we have a disposition called delayed stalled. And it's probably our biggest bucket. So a number of the companies that are in that kind of one to, you know, they put themselves at one to four, one to five, a number of them don't make it past the hump, the, the discovery and the evaluation hump. And we just delay stall them, but they always come back. You know, it's incredible. Um, yeah, it's just, they weren't right. It was a journey. They weren't right at that yeah. particular moment. And then yeah. they got, they got two real quick questions. Uh, one is, the person that you're generally, uh, gen, you know, generally working with, who's that, well, that peer, um, and two, is there is there any myths around fancy equipment and skilled labor and things like that? Yes, gosh, I'm going to take the latter question first. So much, um, I think, fear of the unknown is right. maybe the right way to think about it. You know, I have to buy special uh, microphones and. I'm doing this podcast where you and I are doing this on zoom and I've got a, right. an old Apple old school, you know, wired in headphone because I couldn't get the Apple Pro Max to work. But the, the point is that you can have um, just through your iPhone uh, or your Android device, you, you know, we can record wonderful audio these days and the ability to fix that audio in post is, is um, unparalleled, right? We, we've never had such good tools for so little money and such little expense. The other thing that's nice is companies like Zencaster and Riverside FM, you know, these are $20 a month programs. So if we have a customer that is fearful of, you know, what gear to buy, we have a best practice group and a customer success group, and we offer all sorts of resources there, but we also will just buy you a subscription to Zencaster or Squadcast or uh, Riverside and, and, um, and have no problem doing that and working with you. So so that we can usually take those fears off the table pretty quickly early on. I think the, you know, the first part of the question is who are we dealing with? The more junior the person, funnily enough, 
the more sophisticated they are in terms of, oh yeah, I got this. I can create this. This is easy, right? right? I'm doing yeah. TikTok. Shocking, not shocking. <laughs> exactly. Um, but they don't have the authority to build the consensus right. internally. And so um, we're usually working with a director VP level of learning or internal comms. And right. learning might be sales enablement. It might be organizational learning. It might sit in the HR group. It really depends on the company, uh, the type of, you know, is it a B2B company or B2C? That's and then you've got on the, you know, on the um, internal comm side, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it comes from the CEO. You know, we'll often have, hey, our CEO really wants to do this and we're gathering research. Oh, that's um, fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. 50-50. So, well, well, if you think about it too, most CEOs are pretty articulate. Right. Present company, not included, but uh, right, right. No, no. <laughs> the companies. I mean, we're talking about that, companies. Hey, just, did you hurt yourself, patting yourself on the back? Yeah, my yeah exactly. Uh, but no, ten thousand plus, you know, employees. Right. If you're the CEO, you're probably if you're, yeah. if, if you're doing earnings calls for Wall Street. <laughs> exactly. Turns out you're, you're, yeah. you're probably probably been been through some exactly. communication courses. Um, exactly. Listen. <laughs> Thank you so much for carving out time uh, to explain you studio for us in the audience. I absolutely appreciate you. Well, this has been fun. And thank you so much for all the great questions. Look awesome. forward to listening to it. And, and uh, thanks again for everyone that listens to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.